Welcome to Humanity Shines with Shelly Nagel. This podcast features people from all walks of life, their ups and downs, and what inspires them. Today, we have Jew Dream Firstborn joining us from New Orleans. He's an artist. Tell me about the time that you were standing on the ledge. Yeah. Uh, okay, so there's a a lot of um, backstory to that moment. Mm-hmm. Literally, I had just um, in truth, I had just been literally fighting everyone in that world mm-hmm. um, because I came out with the truth of something mm-hmm. and uh Everyone was it like telling me that I was crazy. I was a liar, blah, blah, blah. You know, the whole story. Mm-hmm. You're lying. And I was going up against all these people and a lot of weird things were happening. And I was on my own. And I mm-hmm. was like at the moment to where it's like, it's not worth it. Like Not worth living? Yeah. I can't. I can't do this anymore. I can't do this on my own. It's mm-hmm. better off for me to be gone on so many different levels do you know yeah and i'm standing on this ledge and um, i'm literally waiting for the the wind to give me the courage to just lean forward and um listening to prince uh 1999 prince and there's a song called all the critics love you in New York, right? It was mm-hmm. a track that I always passed, like when I listened to it, because it mm-hmm. wasn't. It was just. It didn't hit me until that moment, mm-hmm. and so I'm I'm standing on the edge, and waiting for, just waiting for the courage to jump, to die, to end it all, and mm-hmm. in the song, the song came on, and um. There's this lyric that just popped right out. And the lyric was, it's time for new direction. It's time for jazz to die. Fourth day of November. We need a purple high. And he said, don't give up. I'll still love you. All the critics love you in New York. And I took this breath and it was like, (gasps) I'll go to New York. Wow. And literally maybe within two days I was gone. Like I left everything. I literally had a bag that had socks, t-shirts, and a pair of jeans, and I had $3. And that's all I had when I left. And to go to New York. Yeah. I had left for New York. That's all I had in my hope to survive. And um was gone. And it was that moment that changed my life. And uh like it it changed everything because at that moment that person died and i became the dream do you know what i mean yeah yeah Um, as a kid i always had this dream and um as a kid who was going i was going through like neglect 
abuse and mm-hmm. all kind of levels like just stuff and my escape was prince you know for some reason i understood him i yeah. understood what he was doing amongst all this chaos and so when i heard that song and at the time uh jazz jew means jasmine eric ward and um so when he said it's time for jazz to die wow like, it just, and in that moment it was like uh, gone new direction wow and it changed everything anyways yeah the prince song and now i'm here so you went to new york how did you get to new york okay so i got on i literally got on a bus and i rode the bus it took me three days and um never been on a bus never um never been on my own Mm -hmm. like and um it was interesting it was kind of fun it was an adventure greyhound yeah (laughs) i've been there (laughs) so is it adventure yeah three days on a bus and you know like every big city it would change over and you meet these different people Mm -hmm. and um it was interesting i i met characters that in that previous life i never would have met you know yeah and it was also just kind of like, thank God for those three days, because it gave me three days to kind of like prepare myself, mm-hmm. let go of the old. Because yes. I did, when I left, um, I was letting go of everything, right? And mm-hmm. just within those three days, which seems like three lifetimes, um, I was able to just like process that and let that go, pack yeah. it all up into a nice little tight pill and stick it in my back pocket so when I got to New York yeah I was brand new do you know what I mean a rebirth yeah and you January 9th and you you had been traveling from California that is where you were living previously Riverside yeah Riverside California okay so you got to New York yeah got off the bus got off the bus and the okay I tell the story a lot because it's it's so weird the things that we remember that mm-hmm. happened to me that was like so long ago do you know yeah. but i get off the bus right there in times square well 42nd and 8th and i'm walking down broadway and this cop comes right up to me and he says hey you, you just got here didn't you and i was all <laughs> like yeah <laughs> i just got here wow and uh (laughs) he's all like get your little scrawny ass back on the bus and go back to wherever you came from because you ain't gonna make it here and i looked up at him and i was all like dude like that's not an option like i'm here (laughs) i'm here i cannot go back to where i came from yeah and he was all like all right and I was like, where's Times Square? Like, where's the center of everything? He like pointed off down this street and it was like down there. And I went and it was freezing cold. It was so cold. January in New York. Yes. January. Oh yeah. January. Uh, Ninth. January 9th. Yep. 1994. Wow. Yeah. 1994. So you got there and where did you stay your first night? The first night I stayed at Bellevue because of okay so when I um I got there 
I went to Times Square and then close to Times Square is um, the library, the mm -hmm. public, New York Public Library. So I went to the library and I uh, called my grandmother. I was like, Grandma, she's like, boy, where are you? Where are you at? And I was like, Grandma, I'm in New York. She's like, what? Oh, Lord, Jesus. And I was like, I'm in New York and I'm never coming back. And she said, oh, my God. And I said, I got to go, Grandma. I love you. I'll talk to you again soon. And, hung up know, the phone hung up the phone and then my next thing was i gotta get a job i gotta get it i got i had three dollars when i got off the bus but the first thing that i did was i went to like one of those dollar stores and i bought a comb and a toothbrush <laughs> I I like, my have... hair needs to look nice and my breath needs to smell yeah <laughs> and uh so that dwindled it down to like change so i was like i had to get a job so i started you know walk into like Wendy's and Dunkin Donuts yeah the funny thing is like I had heard you know the whole legend of Madonna you know she went to uh New York with $30 in her pocket you know and she yeah. made it well I was like well she can do it so can I yeah I ended up with three dollars and like I went to Dunkin Donuts to try and get a job and they were yeah. like you, you don't even have an address you literally just got here today I can't call it this is, I can't call you you ain't gonna get no job so I kind of gave up on looking for a job now I had to find a place because it was getting dark I got there at seven in the morning this was like maybe two thirty, three o'clock and so it's starting to get dark earlier mm -hmm. and it's snowing I'm cold my feet were like like walking on ice this is the first time I've ever experienced this kind of cold so you didn't have boots on no, I came from California. Sneakers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, I met another cop. Well, first I met this one kid over by, it used to be Tower Records, and there used to be like this little cola sack and little stuff in there selling stuff. And I met this guy, and I was all like, where, where do you go to hang out? Like, what do you do? What do you do? And he's all like, oh, you got to go to the club, but that's not till later. And he kind of looked at me, and he was just all like, you know, uh, <laughs> too bad so I wandered off and uh, a cop told me to go to Bellevue and I went to Bellevue and that was the craziest night of my life that thus far because it's you got to go in at seven o'clock just to like clock in mm -hmm. and then they kick you out is that a homeless then, shelter that you're yeah, at yeah it's a well Bellevue is like the insane asylum you know, in California growing up, Belle Bellevue was always like the nut house. Oh, we're going to take you to Bellevue. Mm -hmm. And um, so it was kind of like a hospital, but in the basement was like a homeless shelter. Okay. Just back in location, sorry. Yeah. Um, so I went there and signed up. Then I had to leave, but I didn't go far because it was dark and I was terrified. Um. I wasn't as as adventurous as I am now. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, eventually by 10 o'clock, you got to go back in and then you wait until like 12 to get mm -hmm. a bed and then they assign you a bed or ship you off somewhere. Yeah. My first night I stayed there at Bellevue in New York City. That's where I was born. <laughs> oh, you <laughs> no, you were born in New York City? Uh, oh, born yeah, as yeah, like yeah. Re reborn. Yeah. 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 And uh, it was terrifying because all the all the the regulars, you yeah. know, 
they were messing with me. They were like, yeah. Oh, man, uh, when them cockroaches go in your ears and you hear somebody screaming, a cockroach went in their ear and it's stuck and, you know, just freaking me out. Had to tie my shoes. Like, I couldn't just take off my shoes. I had to t- take off my shoes and tie them to the bed. So nobody so would take them? Would steal them, right? Yeah. And it was just like, uh, from a world where I came from, where, you know, suburbia, everything is taken care of to like being in the homeless shelter in New York City um, was a really big change. It was terrifying, but um, interesting because I couldn't allow, I I was terrified, but I wouldn't allow myself to be terrified. Right. You know, you had to hold it together. Yeah. You had to hold it together. Mm -hmm. Being scared was not an option, even when it was the only option. Right. So scared, but I didn't have an option to be. It was not an option. Yeah. So how long did you stay there for? Okay, so I stayed at Bellevue the first three nights at Bellevue. Okay. And then by then you have to go through this process where they, you know, um, you become a part of the system. And uh, the first three nights is like, you know, you wake up at six o'clock they feed you and then you got to be out until mm-hmm. you just wander the streets all day into I did that process for three days. And at some point they were like, okay, you're going to be around for a while. You got to get into the system. And now that we got your name and who you are and mm-hmm. get you ID because they had no ID, no nothing. And um, then they, for a couple, for like a week, they shipped me off to different ones. The worst one was in Bed-Stuy. Like if you got sent to Bed-Stuy, I, I got sent to Bed-Stuy one time. <laughs> But like, as we're loading onto the bus, something happened and I, was, I wasn't I was allowed to go, but they were going to ship me there. But I was terrified of bedside because that's where people got in fights and killed and shit. It's like yeah, jail. yeah. Like jail. Basically, the whole system is like jail with parole during the day. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. And then um, after that, this guy was all like, look, I've seen you, I've seen you coming back here. Like what's going on with you? Like mm-hmm. you're not on drugs, you know, you just lost. What, what's your thing? And I told him my story and he's all like, okay, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to send you over to the clean and sober dorm down on the Bowery. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Kenton, the Kenton, what it was. And so I went there and they were like, okay, Okay, we'll keep you uh, for the night and see who you are, what your story is, you know, go to these meetings. Let's talk to you. Let's talk to you. (laughs) Find out who you are. What's your problem? (laughs) (laughs) You know, and you you start to get uh, acclimated to the system, you know, Mm -hmm. at a certain time, you start eating a certain kind of food, you have meetings and stuff. And after they, they gave me a couple of days of a trial, and then after a couple of days, they were like, okay. Um, if you want to stay here, you have to have a problem. What's your problem? What are you addicted to? Right. Yeah. And I was all like, well, I'm not addicted to anything. I just, you know, I need a place to stay so I can get a job. And once I get a job, then I'll get a place of my own. I just mm-hmm. got here. I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, like, well, you know, well, if you ain't got a problem and stay here. Ooh. And I was all like, you know, she's like, again, I'm asking you, Mrs. Rodriguez, again, I'm asking you, 
what is your problem? What are you addicted to? And I'm, I'm naive, put it that way. And I'm like, nothing. And she's all like, look, you don't understand what I'm saying. If you ain't got a problem, you can't stay here. Now, for the last time, what is your problem? What are you addicted to? And I looked outside and it was a blizzard and cold. And I was <laughs> Whatever yeah. problem you want me to have, I've done <laughs> this, I did that, and um, I smoked some weed, and it's just like, perfect. Okay, good. You can stay here for 30 days, you know, and in 30 days, we'll figure out where you need to be by the end of the 30 days, right? And I was right. Like, Fantastic. Yeah. I got a place, like, I'm stable. I'm not going to go get shipped off to uh, Bed-Stuy. <laughs> it was stable, and it was in the city. Right. And um, yeah, because I didn't want to be anywhere outside of Manhattan. Mm -hmm. So it was in the city and it was in the Lower East Side. So I was like, yes, good. Right. Good neighborhood for you. Yeah. I can sleep tonight knowing where I'm going to be tomorrow. Right. You know? So I wake up the next day and I wake up six o'clock, go through the routine, you know, finish eating all dressed as I can get by this time now I'm wearing stuff that the hand-me-downs of the homeless right because yeah. I'm just getting whatever's left behind. right at the shelter mm -hmm. yeah so now I'm like okay I'm gonna go get a job next day I'm gonna go get a job she's like hey honey where are you going I was like I'm <laughs> gonna go get a job and she's like no you ain't I was like what are you talking about and she's all like you got a problem. You're addicted. You're a drug addict. You got to go to NA. You got to go to counseling. You got all these programs that you got to go to. We've got your whole system, uh, your whole schedule set for the day. Right. And I'm all like, what? He's just like, yeah. And so I was all like, well, I have no choice. Right. You need a roof over your head. Yeah. I need a roof over my head. And let's see where this goes. You know, let's see where this goes. And uh, it was cool because, you know, I was, I was kind of fucked up. Right, like, right. Was, you were dealing. I was, I was already fucked up. So, if, like, I had a, a chance to be around other people who were just as messed up as I was in different ways. Right. But, you know, we're kind of all in the same boat. And so I started going to the, to the meetings and I started mm -hmm. sitting in on the, you know, you have a like a personal counselor and then mm -hmm. you have a group counselor and then I'm starting to know the different guys because it was all male dorm starting to get to know the guys and uh it's like being in jail <laughs> getting to know the guys and how how that world was because they right. were telling about their experiences they grew up in New York so they're telling me all this stuff you need to do this and that and that hey pretty boy won't you come up here and touch my fingers you know shit like that <laughs> oh my god yeah it was cool though like I always I always like look for the best in situations mm -hmm. because that's like uh something to I don't know, go for aim for you know it makes you forget about all the other stuff right the silver lining or yeah. what is this teaching you this is or... not permanent like right you know I, I'm just passing it through I my way somewhere you know i don't know where i'm going or how i'm gonna get here and i got myself here yeah so you know let's just go with it and so i would start going to those meetings and then i would get depressed <laughs> because they were so sad i'm like how do yeah. you 
how do you sell your baby's diapers for drugs? You know, and just me being naive and not even knowing what a drug problem was, you right? Because I come up in a very sheltered environment in the suburbs in California. Yeah. And now that beneath the streets of New York City, you know. Big contrast. <sighs> so you were there. And then eventually, where did you go from there? What was your next destination after that? Uh, after, okay. So after the shelter, yeah. like how did I get from out of the shelter yeah. into my own spot? This is how it happened. So the MTV, I think, no, it was the Grammys. The Grammys, it was the first time the Grammys were back in New York in like so long and they were having it at the um, Radio City Music Hall. Uh-huh. Right. And uh, even though I was going through all this other stuff in a previous life, there was still the the dream of me who was making this life possible because I was going to Hollywood and hanging out with clubs with like celebrities and stuff like that. That was like yeah. kind of the norm for me. Right. And so when I got to New York and I'm in the gutter and <laughs> out in the shelter and stuff like that you know and they're like the grammys are going to be in town i was all like oh i'm going to the grammys even if i'm just gonna go stand outside and watch them come you know I'm, yeah i'm just gonna be a part of that yeah you know so i went <laughs> oh okay and i went and i was standing it was on a fifth avenue but um you know standing on the sidelines with all the other people going yeah you know (laughs) and just having a good time Uh and this lady comes up to me she's like hey where are you from i was like i'm from california and she's like really what are you doing here and i was like i came to see the grammys (laughs) it's just like i'm gonna put you on the news right so she calls (laughs) over her camera guy and uh you know, she interviews me. It's like, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yeah, it's so great. And like, the Grammys are amazing. And, <laughs> you know, just being what they wanted, just full of energy and like mm-hmm. excitement. And she said her goodbyes, you know, and I didn't even think nothing else of it. Now, mind you, our curfew was 10 o'clock. We had to be back at the um, shelter by 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And I was always a good boy. You know, I'm always about rules and following the rules and mm-hmm. doing what I'm told. And um, that night, I didn't get back until one o'clock, <laughs> and, you know, and it was the first real night of like going out and like experiencing New York. Right. You know? Having a good time. But, yeah. And it's from like this California kid who saw it on TV and read it in magazines and stuff like that. You know, I was finally experiencing it and it was great. Right. Yeah. So I go straight back to the to, <laughs> to the shelter at one o'clock in the morning. And they're like, yo, kid, where are you? Why are you coming in late? Where you been? Where you been? Yeah. And I'm like, well, uh, uh, uh. And they're like, don't even try, dude. We saw you on the news. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Saw <laughs> you on the news. That's it. Now, okay, in between that and the time that I, you know, started taking it serious mm-hmm. by going to all the the uh, meetings and counseling mm-hmm. and stuff like when I was first starting counseling I was quiet like I really didn't talk much the first couple of years in mm-hmm. New York right mm-hmm. I was pretty quiet and um 
but I would go to these things and I'd hear all these stories and stuff like that. And there was this one guy who had said something that struck a chord, right? Mm. And I said something, you know, like that's bullshit, you know, that's that's not how it goes. Anyways, I started uh, speaking up more and being present. Mm-hmm. And the more I was speaking up more and telling my side of the story and being present and uh, and not like allowing myself to speak, but mm-hmm. like sometimes words just can't be held. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And these mm-hmm. were just coming out. So they started well, was like, oh, we get what you're saying, but you're kind of a distraction because now everybody else is like kind of like following what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, and we trying to like put this over here, so you know this is not going to work out if you keep this up. <laughs> so they started kicking me out of like you know, no more NA for you, no more of the group counseling for you. You know, yeah. you could go off, go do something, go do something, but you can't be here, right? Yeah. And so, by the time they saw me on the Grammys, they were like, "That's it, <laughs> you're out." So that the Grammys. Yeah. Kicked you out of the shelter. Yeah, I got kicked out of the shelter because I went to the Grammys. And, uh, but I took advantage in New York at the time. They used to have like this, um, what's it called? It's like the, the city would pay for your, if you found a place, they would pay for your first month and your deposit. Oh. It would get you in. Would get you in. And uh, the, the lists were long, depending on your expectations and what you, wanted right mm-hmm. <clears throat> well i knew i had probably 24 to 48 hours to figure something out so yeah. i took advantage of that program and i started looking around and they took me to this place on uh 23rd between um lexington and third the kenmore hotel and i walked in that place and the apartment was literally the size of um, if I, I mean, you can't get anything like maybe four feet by six or three feet by six feet long. It was like a closet, literally yeah. a closet. Oh, I believe you, New York. And, yeah, and they had a bed, a little sink, and a little tiny like cubby hole where you can put stuff in and yeah. a door, and that was yeah. it. And the window facing concrete. So I walked in and I saw that, and I, I was all like, I could do this i could do this you yeah. know in my head but at the same time there's like pimps and drug addicts all passed out like you know it's just like fucking no offense it's like beirut at the time in my head it was like it's a war zone going on and yeah. this is on the 11th floor so my chances of likely having an encounter are going to be high so right i don't want i don't want it mm-hmm. and but it was 250 dollars a month and the location was literally Gramercy Park, wow. you know? So as I'm saying no, no, no to this, as I'm walking down in the stairway because the elevators didn't work and walking outside of the place, and I was like, well, this is my only option. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's not an option. So I took it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they kicked me out, and it was a real quick process. Okay, good. He, 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 he. He tricked us, not tricked us, but he, he used the program 
in a way to where it benefited him. He was on the streets when he came in. We got him out, and he's got this little hole in the wall over on 23rd Street. So it yeah. worked. Right, he's- right. It helped yeah. support that transition. Yeah. yeah, it worked. Good for you, right? Yeah. And at the time, okay, um, so when they were kicking me out of these uh, classes, mm-hmm. couldn't go, I would go look for work. Right. And um, nobody would hire me just because they just, I didn't have enough, you know, that New York experience, that New York look, that confidence that, you know, mm-hmm. I was a dumb kid. So I, I was all like, okay, let me see if I can find a place where I can like volunteer mm. because then I can get some office experience, some office, just some New York city, experience, right. meet people and just, you know, just away from here. <laughs> and so I would go and they would, uh, was called uh the list magazine and um they didn't pay me but they would buy me lunch and you know and i would go there and i would just be the office boy do whatever they wanted Mm -hmm. type and phones whatever just whatever and i was getting to know everybody Mm -hmm. now my my dad was very uh executive professional like that so while working in this office i just was like i'm gonna learn everything that i possibly can because mm-hmm. the more i know the harder it is to let to let me go right? right yeah so if i was just doing one thing yeah we can get rid of him but if he's doing all this other stuff it'd be harder to let him go so i started learning everything and just being that that key point in the office everybody could go off and do their thing and leave me there and i could hold it down yeah now by the now by the time that the uh the um, shelter was kicking me out. Uh, I had been working there a couple of weeks, maybe three weeks, mm-hmm. and, and just building a foundation there. And it was really wild too because um, it was in Chelsea, and it was all all gay and lesbians. And I had come from a world where I didn't even know what that was, mm-hmm. you know. So this is all new to me. And uh, so when the shelter was going to kick me out right i went to them and i got this place mm-hmm. and i went to them and i was all like hey i can't volunteer time it's the time that i've been, like i've been before because i gotta be responsible i gotta go get a real job mm-hmm. because now i have to pay rent and stuff they knew where i was coming from i told them everything mm-hmm. and uh i told them I, I can't do this anymore and they were like hold on just a second they all went off into a back room 10 minutes later they come back out and they're like, look, we'll pay you $250 a week <laughs> to work four hours. And I was just all like, um, and they're like, yeah, uh, we want you to stay and we'll pay you, we'll hire you. Uh-huh. And uh, I was like, okay, well, can I think about it? <laughs> and yeah. they were like, yeah. <laughs> and so I left there, which is, which was really cool because when I uh, left, actually, the, when I left the shelter, kind of not like cocky or anything like that but like see it told you i wasn't gonna be here forever you know, yeah because there was yeah. a couple of wipers in there and be like man you'll be here forever i see it in your eyes <laughs> you know yeah out. so it was cool so i i left the uh the shelter got my own place had a job and um it was great you know i was starting my life New York City and uh the crazy thing is probably two weeks later 
like a whole month hadn't even gone by yet. And mind you, I moved in. I had a, a dollar hasn't come out of my pocket yet. Yeah. Right. So about two weeks later, it was really close to work too. I could walk to work. I walked nice. to work and I'm at work, work. And then something said, uh, why don't you go home for lunch? <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll go home for lunch today. Right. I'll go home for lunch. And as I come around the clock, the streets all blocked off. There's like um school buses and you know, all of this police activity, right? And I was like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. And I go up to the thing there like the FBI, the U.S. Marshals had taken over the building. They're cleaning up all these pimps because there'd been like three murders, like in the time that I moved into the time that happened. Three murders. Five, there was a fire bug who would like set floors on fire. Like, oh, all no. This. It was crazy. It was crazy. It was cool, but it was crazy. So anyways, they come in and they take out the building and they just take all the bad guys out. Just come in and clean it out. And a few of us got to stay because they we we had a, a good reputation, I guess. We were clean. Right. And um because of that, there was like um some sort of battle between the city, those agencies, and the landlord of the, the building, the building owner. Mm-hmm. So they were in this court battle. And because they were in this court battle, I didn't have to pay rent during the yeah. whole so my first two years in New York City were rent free. Wow! On Street between Third and Lexington, their Gramercy Park. And, That's uh, unbelievable. New York yeah. City free rent in your yeah. neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, and it literally—I don't want to say fell in my lap, but just like you know, sometimes I will tell you this much: sometimes when you're so afraid for change or to like do something Mm -hmm. and you just get stuck in this fear and you you break that that realm of fear and Mm -hmm. you just go you follow follow that dream yeah uh things happen like when you can break past that barrier Mm -hmm. everything in the universe like comes together and you might not know it yeah but to 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 like make it happen you know yeah like it's it's more than just me right wrong or taking a picture it's like every leading up to that moment so that yeah happen you know and so like literally bus shelter uh recovery uh place out of the recovery place into my place within three months Wow. It was magical. New York City was magical. Like, it was. Oh my gosh. Magic. My whole life in New York. And it was hard. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like, it it wasn't like sex in the city, at least not my experience was. Yeah. I lived in New York too. And mine was definitely not sex in the city. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like, I spent a lot of hard nights on the streets because of this decision or that decision once mm-hmm. i got to new york um before i got to new york everybody was making decisions for me do you know what i mean Tell your me family and yeah. stuff mm-hmm. yeah when i got to new york that's when i started making my own decisions and had to be accountable for my decisions and i couldn't blame anybody because they were my decisions right you know? i'm not saying all of them were great 
but you know, under the circumstances, I did the best that I could. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And New York City taught me taught me one how to survive and that mm-hmm. there is nothing you cannot do. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. New, that like when you're in New York City, nothing's gonna stop you. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Nothing is gonna stop you. It's a hustle. I live there and I hustle. <laughs> Be an artist taught mm-hmm. me how to um uh know me. Right. You know, because this was this was me without any influence of family or anything like that. Mm -hmm. This is who I am learning who I am. And it wasn't it was insane. It was so much fun, though. It's just like the movies. (laughs) Oh, when you lived in New York? Yeah, it's just like the movies. Can I ask you about you had left California a little bit more of what was going on with you that led to New York? Yeah. Um, if you feel like sharing, yeah, uh, I'm so it's like I'm so far removed from it now right. that it doesn't have the same effect on me as okay. it did like when I left. Mm-hmm. So wh- I was fighting everybody. I was, <laughs> I can't believe I have to say, okay, uh, Eric was a child of rape, molestation, mm-hmm. um, physical abuse, mm-hmm. mental abuse. Uh, he was literally beaten, raped, and then left on the streets and discarded like he was nothing. You, your old self, like Eric. Yeah, yeah. And Jew. Um, is a reminder that that will never happen to me again. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That w- I can say yes. That's me. But the crazy part is, um, from that moment to this moment, yeah. like there had to be deaths, there had to be um, resurrections mm-hmm. because Eric didn't stay dead. Because yeah. once we got back to once we got to New York City, you know, part of our our internal dream was to go back and rescue eric right eric was just captive right now and in the meantime we have to go make a space where he can be free right but we're gonna go back and get him right and you did it yeah you did it (laughs) you're thriving you know you know and and it's yeah eric isn't necessarily me eric is i'm 100 percent of all things and Eric is just one portion of it right you know what I mean right so I, I don't want to your... say this happened to me no it didn't right happen. yeah you took back your power yeah so New York was yeah. this crazy dream of awesomeness yeah how long did you live in New York for I lived in New York uh I got there in 2000 and I mean, I got there in 1994. Mm-hmm. And when I left, I left in 2010. I left 2010 going to um, Minneapolis for school. But so almost 20 years, it's like 16, 17 years. In New York City. 
in set. Yeah. It was like, it was so crazy too, because it was like, I arrived in New York, you know, and New York is my whole education, you know, elementary all the way up through high school, 16, 17, you know? Yeah. And then I, yeah. uh, at that point, I walked back to California because this was like after 9-11 and things weren't as accommodating for someone who didn't have ID. So <laughs> I just want to clarify this to people. Like he means he's he literally walked all the way from New York to California, correct? Yes. It was, yeah. It, it When it was time for, I, I was just going through this change and in order for me to become the next person that I had to be mm-hmm. I had to go back and get Eric right you know and at that time um I couldn't just get on a plane because it was after 9-11 so restrictions had all these restrictions were on me mm-hmm. and one of the only ways that I can do that was to walk back and reclaim that identity and it took me Three months, two weeks, four days, and 12 hours from Manhattan to the California State <laughs> walking. <laughs> I just, I don't, how did you, how did you do that? I, I, did you stay with random people? Did you stay with friends? Cause this was even before social media was huge, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, be- yeah, it was before social media. I think. Was, uh, I mean, just start, I mean, I guess. It was it just starting off, like Facebook was starting off. Right. And, um. I just, it was so weird because like, I'm pretty strong, but I'm kind of, I'm the, the strong person who doesn't know he's strong. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people are like, he's so strong and so full of courage and stuff. That's just, man, I'm like, it's not really strength or courage if it's your only option. Like me going to New right. York was my only option. There was no right strength or courage in it, in my opinion. Right. Right. So when I was walking across the country, I didn't have, that's really weird. Okay. So I had this experience the night before I left, right? Mm -hmm. Because it happened really quick, the decision to do it. Like literally I was talking to a friend and um, I used to, produce music in New York and I just finished a project and I was talking to a friend and he was, and I was like, getting that postpartum thing going. I was mm-hmm. like, dude, I think I want to go to school or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. He was all like, we'll do it. And I was all like, well, I just told you I was going to do it. So how is that a dare? And he's like, <laughs> okay, smart ass. I dare you walk across the country. And I was like, hmm. wow, I don't think I, I've never even thought of that. That like I don't even know anybody who's done that. Like I've never read of anybody. I mean, Forrest Gump, sure but that was a movie. Yeah, Forrest <laughs> Gump. They call me Chocolate Gum <laughs> when I was walking. So, um, literally four days, I said I told him, "Let me sleep on it and see how I feel tomorrow." And I woke up the next day, and it was like the only thing I could think of. So I was like, "Okay, I'll do it." And within four days, I left. Wow. And uh, again, it was like that bus ride to new york it was kind of like the same experience you Mm -hmm. just take everything as it comes and you don't have an option to be afraid because wolves feed on fear right you have an option to be afraid you know right now i'm not that same kid you know that got right you're like i'm gonna go face yeah where i'm from and this transformation that took place in new york this confidence this healing yeah and so I did it and it took me forever, but it it was like, 
the hardest thing I ever had to do and the hard thing about it was just letting go of everything that I knew, do you know, mm-hmm. let just letting it all go. That was the hardest part. Mm-hmm. And then after the second week, walking uh, became less of the hardest. It was like letting go and just the repetition of walking, mm-hmm. like eight to 10 hours a day, just like mission work. This is work to me. Yeah. And um, that was the hardest part. Because anytime I would have an interaction with somebody, um, I always had to remember that this is not about me. I'm in their world. I'm passing through. I'm just an Mm -hmm. observer, you know, and I'm here at the courtesy of their kindness, you know, and that's what allowed me to travel freely because I didn't have really any issues with anybody I met with the straight here or there right but you know all of my experiences walking from New York City to California were beautiful like um, being in New York for so long you I don't want to say become jaded but it's like jaded because one New York City is the center of the universe and um do you're able to put on blinders right your defenses have to be up it's busy people are in a hurry kind of become can become guarded at times yeah and so um walking basically just stripped me of my guards and allowed me to see like see other people in ways that um, I had remembered because you know my grandparents were poor like my family Mm -hmm. were poor so it's like I met a lot of poor people so Mm -hmm. It was um, breath- breathtaking. It yeah. really uh, instated like humanity, like mm-hmm. if anything, into my heart because these people were so genuinely kind to me, you Aww. know, and I'm just like this nobody walking through their world and that could easily be like, like looking back at it and especially if I see a movie and something crazy happens I think to myself oh my god I can't believe I did that because at any like that's a pretty big distance at any spot in that distance someone could have had such a negative um effect on right me, you know? well you're a stranger walking through people's towns yeah. and- I'm strange I'm black I'm gay you know like yeah. all these things that the world wasn't digging on like they digging in 2023 you know right Right. <laughs> you know, I did this at a time where it's like it wasn't as um accepting, I think. Yeah. Accommodating, you know. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. now everybody accommodates your feelings, you know. Mm-hmm. 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 And then nobody accommodated your feelings because they was too busy too busy like accommodating their own. Right. Right. You know? And it's not good or bad. It's just, you know, processing what they know. Right. Anyways. So you went, no, this is, I love this. So I know you went back to California and then you ended up in Minneapolis. I want to hear a little bit about like making music and, you know, some of your creative adventures. Okay. So, um, my whole life in, um, New York was 
music. Like I produce music. music. Okay. I couldn't sing. I couldn't write a note. I couldn't play an instrument. But I, you know, I could put together a groove and I could talk about it. And you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Burn it up on a disc and be that person. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it was all training. It was all training. Right. Um. Yeah. New York was a training period. And um, after I finished the walk and I went back to New York, I was like, um, yeah, I'm done with this. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, I'm done with this. And I got accepted to the Art Institute in Minneapolis mm-hmm. AI. And um, that's what brought me to Minneapolis Okay, was school. Like, and I went to school for filmmaking. So while I was in New York, I was in music. And then I went to school in Minneapolis where I learned about filmmaking and photography and actually Minneapolis was more than school in the academic way it was Mm -hmm. like after going on that walk and then coming back to to New York like I had to let all that go yeah like I had to like I was at this moment where I like achieved something for me Mm -hmm. like uh because before when I went to New York everything was taken from me do you know what I mean so at this point of me leaving New York I had acquired these experiences that were mine and no one could take them away right right that you created your life yes Mm -hmm. yes. I created these experiences right decisions and actions Mm -hmm. and whatever just living life yeah you know and uh so when I went to Minneapolis, I had to give all that up because it didn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't matter. Who cares? Yeah. Why are you talking so much about yourself? You know? So yeah. I had to give all that up or, or like I did with the uh, California thing, just put it in a little pill and stick it in my back pocket. And mm-hmm. every now and then it would come up, you know, I just mm-hmm. had to be careful with my dosage. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so going to school in Minneapolis was like, I had to learn how to be a human all over again mm-hmm. because I, I had I just gave up everything that I knew and yeah. I'm in this new environment. So mm-hmm. anything that, anything that I do, um, at this point, you know, having achieved so much, I knew that everything that I did could mm-hmm. be offensive to somebody starting with my name. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Mm-hmm. So I had to um, learn how to live in this new world mm-hmm. by example. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Mm-hmm. So I learned a lot at school, not just academically, but like all the kids there, they taught me how to be a kid. They taught me how to like be a human again and taught me how to like, you know, what was cool and what these feelings were, you know, Mm -hmm. because in New York, you bottle up a lot of feelings. You don't experience those feelings, those true feelings. Right. But in Minneapolis, the space is much wider. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? You can breathe a little bit. And now you're starting to experience these feelings, Mm -hmm. you know, and Minneapolis allowed me to um, experience like process the feelings, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah kind of integrate everything yeah Yeah. Minneapolis was really good to me and uh and then Prince showed up once I got there then he was all like um hold on that's my town (laughs) he was living (laughs) out in LA and he like he came back and he was all like I I say that kidding jokingly yeah 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 yeah. 
but he just happened to show up, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, he made it more fun. Yeah. Prince. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh Prince is Minneapolis novelty. Oh, my uh, God. He made it. He made Minneapolis for me so mind blowing because I went from this kid who saw like Purple Rain and, you know, saw yeah. this world that I, I didn't even imagine how, like, as a film, how it was all put together or anything like that. Yeah. It's just something and it's like already taken over me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. To, um, living in that world do you know what i mean mm -hmm. like coming to school in minneapolis it wasn't all planned like i didn't go to minneapolis to go be a part of that like yeah. coming to minneapolis to better myself yeah to go get an education like a formal education yeah street smart but i need a formal education to go further in life right right you know so that's why i went to minneapolis and then prince showed up and it's like he made it so much more funner did you go to paisley oh did you party oh did you go to parties to at his house Paisley? Oh, yeah. Okay, and see, now, mind you, so um, Prince is the one who said it's time for New Direction, it's time for Jazz to die, you know? Yeah. So yeah. there's a big part of me, like, this guy saved my life, yeah. whether he knows yeah. it or not. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So there's mm -hmm. a kind of loyalty there, like, right. do you know what I mean? Yeah. Loyalty, and it's always been that way to me, like, and that could go off on a tangent but like um so yeah so when he's you know he comes back to minneapolis i'm in school all the other kids so it wasn't just this thing that happened it was like gradual things so yeah. all the other kids you know we get our report cards we'll go to, to the parents or whatever and stuff like that and like show off their grades well i didn't have anybody right so yeah. what would i do i'd go out to paisley park and knock on the door and be like i got my report card <laughs> oh you did that to prince well, yeah, well, to Paisley Park, you know. Or to Paisley Park, yeah, he yeah, never yeah. answered the door himself. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh. But, but you know. Yeah. Um, showing up with uh, my report cards. Now, mind you, by the time I got to Minneapolis and started having those experiences, I had already had, like, so many experiences with Prince mm -hmm. before then, you know. But they were two worlds kind of, like, overlapping. Yeah, yeah. And now, all of a sudden our two worlds are now one world so <laughs> that's amazing it was fun so now you're in new orleans and you're working on music can you tell us about that yes so um i came down to new orleans because mm -hmm. uh i found myself um very isolated in minneapolis for yeah. reasons and stuff like that and all of a sudden the world was starting to open up again and I didn't want, I I wanted something new. Something new had to come out of the 12 years that I was in Minneapolis, you mm -hmm. know. Minneapolis has changed so much since I got there. Right. And so um, I came down to New Orleans on a whim. And I love it. You're a free spirit. I, <laughs> it's been amazing in the sense that, like, um, like I have new dreams like there's new people in my life there's mm -hmm. a new like breath of fresh air yeah you know i i was at the point to where it's like that world that i was in before was over do right. you know right and like over and somehow i managed to uh 
get another season. This time yeah. it's down in New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Can you tell us about some of the yeah. music that you're working on right now? Um, okay, so 85918. Um we're working on uh this project and it's called the Blue Fontenine Diaries. Mm. Um when I got to New Orleans, Blue Fontenine. Um <laughs> uh was like a new identity. You know, I'm still the uh-huh. person that I am, but musically I just I, I needed a just another face. Change, inspiration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Thus Blue Fontenine, right? Ooh. Now Blue Fontenine is the the secret twin to the Androgenine, um, which still <laughs> continues. <laughs> like the whole story to it. I but love Blue it. Fontenine is down here in New Orleans and he's building this scene. And um A5918 and I have uh-huh. been um <laughs> Uh, taking his journals yeah and making music and producing music to his journal so it's it's funky it's so funky it's so funky sometimes I'd be listening I'd be like I know Prince didn't just come in here and drop a bass track on us because <laughs> this bass line is so funky <laughs> yeah. oh it's my gosh so I love it it's so yeah but they're like these little um pieces that we put together and they're fun and they're different and it's New Orleans coming to you live I love New Orleans Woo! it's I love the city yeah it's great I've spent yeah. a lot of time down there well Ju it has been Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing about your adventures and being vulnerable with us today. And I'm going to put your um, contact information in the show notes. So if anyone wants to catch some of your tunes. Okay. um, Thank you. 5918 on the Spotify or any streaming uh, services. You might find yourself over at uh, Dream Firstborn Images where you'll find uh, music, movies, photography i'm really doing a lot of photography right now and i uh, love it yeah i love it well thank you so much <laughs>